All right, good afternoon, everybody. All right, praise the Lord. All right, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, that's why I feel the presence of God here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good afternoon. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Hallelujah. All right. Who's here for the first time today? Who's here for the first time? Some newcomers? All right, let's welcome them. Lord and sisters. Hallelujah. Welcome to the house of God. We are glad that you can be here with us today. At this time, we're going to dig into the word of God. Because the word of God is truth. Amen? Amen. The words of God, they are spirit and they are life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let me turn, turn, turn down a little bit. I'm getting a little feedback. All right, hallelujah. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to be preaching from this text today. Verses 7 through 12. I just want to read that once more before I begin my message. I'm going to take the first verse. Y'all do the second verse nice and loud. We'll go to the end. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. All together now. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Hallelujah. This is my birthday this past week. I got my birthday tie on. You tie I got. Got my birthday cufflinks on. Hallelujah. And uh, one of the small groups, they got me this. Okay, It's not for cigarettes, all right. It was a name card holder. Right there, check it out. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. It's something I will probably never buy for myself, but I like it. It's, it's like, it's, I like it. Thank you, Lisa Small Group. All right. It's a, it's a good gift. All right, hallelujah. All right, everybody all right? Everybody good? All right, hallelujah, you know? Praise the Lord. Sometimes there's signs and wonders. That's what happens when God steps in the house. That's what happens when Jesus walked on the earth. That's what happens when the people of God, they go after the Lord. And they, the glory of God falls. The anointing of the Spirit falls. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's look at this passage. 
Alright, let's look at this passage. Uh, verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Amen. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Not jars of gold. Not jars of steel. Not jars of big slabs of marble. Not jars of bronze. Jars of clay. And it says, we have this treasure. What is this treasure talking about? We have this treasure. Hallelujah. Well, if you read chapter 3, which is what I preached on two weeks ago, and you read the beginning of chapter 4, I believe this treasure is talking about the ministry. The ministry of the mercy of God. The ministry of the new covenant. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what this said, not me. So what this treasure is, is talking about the ministry of the new covenant. And we got the ministry of the gospel. We have this treasure, the Bible says, and we got it in jars of clay. Have you all ever thought about that? Besides thinking about the uh, Christian rock group. Jars of clay. They got that song Flood. If I, uh, well, how's the lyrics go? If I can't stand after 40 days. Man, I used to love that song until I tried to play it in the guitar. Uh, it's, it's an impossible song to play. But uh, hallelujah. Um, and it's really interesting that the Bible mentions clay. But if you think about clay, clay is very fragile. Clay is moldable, shapeable, but it's also breakable. You you ever have a a jar of clay? Yeah. All right, hallelujah. One one brother had a jar of clay. (laughs) Man, you you can't transport it without putting some bubble bubble wrap around it. Because that thing, if you hit it too hard, it's going to break. It's going to leak. Sometimes, you know, you put like plants inside uh, jars, jars of clay, and then if the plants, you know, the roots get too strong, can actually start cracking the, the side of the, uh, the pot, you know what I'm saying? Jars of clay. Why, why would God put this incredible treasure, why in jars of clay? You know? That made no sense. Hallelujah. Why not a jar of bronze? Now we're talking, right? Put, Put the treasure in the jar of bronze, Lord. Let us be, not even jars of bronze, Lord, let us be jars of like platinum, you know. We look good, you know, we're versatile and strong, we don't leak. Why jars of clay? And you know what, this, this is how a lot of us feel in our Christian lives, ain't it? We feel like clay, we don't feel like bronze. We feel like clay, we make mistakes, we stumble, we forget. We leaking things all the time, man. Hallelujah. Sometimes, man. Hallelujah. Man, sometimes just, we leak. We leak and we feel like clay. That's the way we feel like. We feel like very fragile sometimes. Somebody says one thing to us and we, we get all like beaches, you know. We get like all upset. We're breakable. All right. Now and then, man, we just get broken, don't we? Man, it's not, sometimes some people get broken because they just make stupid mistakes. 
But other times, man, you're just walking with the Lord and you're doing what's right and you still get broken. And God brings you through something and you just get broken. And you just feel like clay. And hallelujah. In the Bible it says, you are the potter and I am the clay. Hallelujah. Now that's easy to say when you're singing a praise song. But not when you're going through some stuff. You know? I think, I think the truth is we, we would more prefer to be jars of some kind of metal rather than a jar of clay. But God puts this treasure in jars of clay. And why? Why? Let's look at the verse, right? We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Hallelujah. That's why. God puts the treasure of the gospel of Christ, the glory of that gospel ministry. He puts it in us, jars of clay. Why? To show, to set the record straight. That the power belongs to God, not to us. God knows that we're breakable. God knows that we're fragile. God knows that we leak. God knows that we have inadequacies, weaknesses, that we make mistakes. But that doesn't make God, that doesn't turn him off and be like, I'm not going to put this ministry into your life. No, instead, God puts it intentionally into jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, this is what I want to preach on today. How many of you guys know that the Word of God has incredible promises? Amen? If you got your sword with you, wave it, wave it in. The, come on. Right, let's say, I got the promises of God in my hand. Hallelujah. Wave your sword. Come on, wave your sword. Pretend like you're going into battle. Hallelujah. Look at this. It's like a scene from Braveheart. Look at this. Yeah, people of God, freedom! <laughs> Hallelujah. Make the devil nervous in the service. Now, the Word of God has promises, and they are wonderful. Amen? Amen. But do you guys also know for every promise of God's goodness, God's faithfulness, promise that you seek His kingdom first, He'll... Provide everything for you. For all those promises, there's also a promise that we don't like to claim. You know what that is? It's the promise of affliction. The promise of suffering. The promise of trial. Tribulation. You know? You can't outgive God. You invest into the, into the kingdom of God and God will make sure he rewards you. Oh, I'm, I'm about to take that promise. Right. God bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Oh, I'm going to walk blameless. Get favor and honor from the Lord. I'll claim that promise. But the promises of God for affliction, they're not so popular. But if you look through the Bible, Jesus said himself, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. It don't mean like some of you will. The ones in the ministry will. In this world, you will have trouble. Matthew 24, verse 9. Why don't you turn there? Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at that together. Matthew 
It's an amazing promise of God. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. I'm a reading from the ESV. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Somebody say amen. 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 All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Amen? Amen. Oh, I won't say yes to that. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And this is talking about Especially about the end times. Right? We're like, yeah, we are the end times generation. We will see Jesus return. Hallelujah. In my lifetime. We will see the gospel go to the nations. Oh, yeah. We claim that. Oh, you want to claim that? You got to claim this too. Because this is talking about the end time generation. Woo. Hallelujah. There's a promise of affliction. Promise of tribulation. First Peter five ten. Let's turn to First Peter five ten. It's a good verse too. How many of you guys know you got to be strengthened? In the hour of peace, in the hour when you got the light, you got to get strengthened then because you can't get strengthened in the hour of trial. It's too late by then. You got to be built up now. You know what I'm talking about? So these, these verses, they are, they're giving us life right now. You, you take this, you, you claim it, you hold it, it's giving you life. It's feeding your spirit. It's strengthening you for the hour of trial so that God will be glorified. Not through your compromise, but through your perseverance. Look at this. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. I think this is a beautiful verse. Look at this. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Hallelujah. This is good news here. Because it promises that you will suffer... But it doesn't say, you will suffer for the rest of your life. No, it just says, you will suffer for a little while. And some people's little whiles will be a little bit longer than other words. But it's just a little while. Look, brothers, it's not forever. We think of trial, we think of tribulation, we think of suffering. We think, oh man, I can't handle that. But that's just because we think it's going to like last forever. But look, it's just for a little while. Just think of it that way. Just a little while. Look, when Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl, uh, for those from the States that know, that like American football, and Tom Brady from New England Patriots, he went to the Super Bowl, and that boy did not go in healthy, all right? He played all year, all right? He was injured, he was hurting, he was tired, he was suffering. But you know, when it came down for the Super Bowl, he didn't, he didn't go, man, I'm too tired, I can't go through with this. He knew that all he has to do is play one more game. And in a little while, he can get that Super Bowl ring. Hallelujah. 
And if he would just endure, he could win it. And he believed that his team could do it. And his team did it against the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago. (laughs) He just endured. Hallelujah. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, that's what the mentality we got to have. If we would just persevere, the suffering's not going to last forever. It's just going to be a little while. But if you would just push through to the end, you're going to get your ring. In heaven, I'm telling you, there are going to be those with rings and there are going to be those with bling. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I, I think there are certain equivalent to such things as Super Bowl rings in heaven. Because, man, I'm telling you, people ain't going to be rewarded all the same. They're going to get rewarded all the same with the presence of Christ and, and being able to you know, enjoy fellowship with him forever. But there are different rewards than just that. So, I, I mean, hallelujah. I, I, I think there's some rings people won't get. After you suffer a little while, the God of all grace who has called you, the good news is not only that it will be a little while, but once you endure it, he himself will restore you. He'll confirm you. He'll strengthen you. He'll establish you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look a chapter earlier. First Peter chapter four, verse one. Check this out. I love the ESV here because it's giving us a lot of uh, deeper insight than the NIV. Chapter one says, since therefore Christ suffered in the what? In the flesh. That means in your physical body. Since Christ suffered in the physical body, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Wow. That's powerful right there. It's powerful right there. See, if we will identify with Christ in his sufferings, if we will arm ourselves with the same attitude he had, we will live a holy life. We will have a more victorious pattern over sin in our lives. Because he who has suffered in the body, he's done with sin. Let me tell you a little something about suffering. There could be two men. And they both struggle with sexual sin, let's say. Which is common among the brothers out there, right? Two men, they, they both struggle with sexual sin. One... Enjoys times of prosperity and only times of prosperity. And when God calls him to step it up, he avoids it. Says, I ain't ready. I don't know about all that. I'm comfortable where I am. I'll just continue to eat and get fat. Thank you very much. And he avoids. He avoids affliction. He avoids the perfect will of God for his life. He stays right where he is. Right? That person is going to struggle. With that sexual sin. But the second man. That man. God calls him. He's struggling with sexual sin. Whatever right. God calls him. I want you to step out and go on this short term mission trip. God does it. And then while on the mission trip. I want you to serve this way. I want you to bless this person that way. I want you to pray and serve that person that way. And he suffers. Because through it all. He has to struggle against his flesh. His flesh says I want to get angry. His flesh says I want to react. But he goes against his flesh and he chooses instead to suffer and to rejoice in that suffering and to endure it. Then later on, 
He's got this perfect driving record, right? Hallelujah. And, and, and some crazy Ajuma just runs into his car. Right? And he's trying to rejoice through that. And he knows that that's something to do with God's will. Then later on, you know, he's enjoying provisions of God, prosperity of God. And then he hits a really tough spot. And he's coming through a time of lack. And he's suffering through that. Right? He's suffering in the body. And then, anyway, to make a long story short, the second person suffers. At the end of this story, I'm telling you, that second person will be much more victorious over that sexual sin than the first person. Because there's something about it. There's something about when you have suffered, you just like, man, I'm not going back to that same sin. Man, I just paid too much. I have suffered too much to act like a fool now. I'm victorious. I need to stay there. You know what I'm saying? When you have suffered, you got a different attitude. That's why the Bible is saying, arm yourselves with the same attitude. It's the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. God uses affliction in our lives to purify you. The Bible says in the Old Testament, I, behold, I bring you through the furnace of affliction. But don't worry when you're walking through all of that fire. You ain't going to get all burned up. Remember Daniel? Hallelujah. Daniel was a lion's den. Remember his friends? <laughs> I always get that mixed up. Because that's some two crazy stories in that same book. Yeah, Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They walked through the fire. They walked through the fire. And they did not come out burning. There was not even the smell of smoke on them, the Bible says. And there was a fourth person in that fire with him. Our King Nebuchadnezzar was like, look, three of them are walking among the fire and there's a fourth one and he looks like the son of the gods. All right, that was Jesus. That was Jesus walking in the fire along with them. And I don't know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thinking. They're like, walking through, hey, we're, we're not getting burned. Wow, hey, I can see you. You can see me. Hey, hey, who's this guy? Uh, what, what, where did he come from? Hey. I don't know what was going through their minds. Well, hallelujah. Jesus walks with us through the fire. Amen? He walks with us through the affliction, through the tough times. Praise the Lord. And I think in our Christian lives, we... Our aver- we have an aversion to the promise of affliction because we're terrified of it. And especially in, uh, in third world countries, it's not so much a problem. But in Western world, in Korea, which is fast becoming more, uh, you know, some people will say it's a third world country, but we clearly know it's not. In a lot of ways, we're not, it's not a third world country, you know. But, you know, trust me, there are people that think it's a third world country. But uh, we know we're not, and... When we live in this kind of like where, where we, we have all these infrastructure, we have all these good things around us, uh, Satan uses this fear, this fear of affliction, this fear of suffering, and it paralyzes the people of God. And, and, but for God's, I believe for God's will to be done, God's people have to not avoid it. They have to go through it. And they have to go through it with joy. And they got to believe that when they go through it, they don't go through it for the sake of going through it. 
They go through it, hallelujah, because God uses it. And that God uses it for a couple reasons. One is one that we already mentioned. He does it. He puts the treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power is not from us, but from God. Right? He brings us through affliction. He shows us that we're moldable, that we're fragile, that we're breakable. He brings us through tough times to show us that all the power comes from him. That we need his grace. Hallelujah. That's, that's one reason. Show, you know, set the record straight that it's all coming from him. It's not about how resilient we are or how diligent we are. It's about how powerful he is and how good he is. Hallelujah. But two is, go back to our original passage. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Go back to our original passage. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Let's read that together. One, two, three. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Amen. In other words, these afflictions, they are not designed to destroy you. Or to curse you. They're designed to bless you. Somebody hear me out there. We're afflicted. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We're struck down. God, why? And we think, we always think it's the devil. And sometimes it is the devil. But you know what? God allows the devil. Think about that. We put all the blame on the devil. Sometimes some of that responsibility is also with God. God's allowing it. Why, God? Why are you allowing us to be afflicted, perplexed, persecuted? Why do my own friends rise up against me? Why do uh, people saying all the slanderous things against me? Why? Why? Because he's trying to bless you. That's why. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. He didn't say, cursed are you who are persecuted. Man, you're doing something wrong. Every time you get persecuted, know that, man, God's looking down and he's just, he's just, he's cursing you. No. He just said, blessed are you. When people revile you, insult you, say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. Be glad. Same way they treated All the prophets that were before you. God allows afflictions into our life. Not to curse us, but to bless us. So check this out, right? We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. What are we driven to? To prayer, hallelujah. When you get perplexed, look, man, I've been perplexed this whole week. And in my flesh, I've been very frustrated. Let me say that right now. 
Right, let me just be honest with you. Let me bear my soul a little bit. I'm a little frustrated. I'm excited. Don't get me wrong, man. I'm excited. I have not moved away from I'm that promised land that this church is going into. And hallelujah, you're going you're gonna to go with me or not? Hallelujah, I'm going in. Hallelujah. I don't care. I'm going to go in. Going in, enjoy all the fruit by myself. Hallelujah. No, hallelujah, that's not my attitude. But I want to take you all in with me. But I'm not moved from that. I ain't the promised land. I believe that God is going to do a mighty work through this church. And he's preparing us. Before we do things, he wants us to be the kind of people he wants us to be. But you know what? I was frustrated this past week. Just frustrated. Because there's different kind of attacks. People that I trust. People that are close to me doing all kinds of wacky things. I'm like, man, what's, what? And you know what? The best word to describe how I felt this week was perplexed. So what is going on? Man. Man. What's going on? This is perplexed. And the more I dwelled on it, the more I got all stressed out. And you got that, you know, stress in your stomach. And you're just like, ah, oh, man, what did I eat? But it's nothing to do with your eating. It's just like the stress, you know. You feel the anxiety. And if you keep going that way, man, it, it will result in physical symptoms too. And, it was, and, and what the devil was trying to do was, he was trying to use these situations to drive me to despair. You see, anytime you, 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 you are in a situation where you get perplexed, where there's strange things happening around you and you can't explain why that person is reacting that way, why that person is driven to do that, and you're just like, what is going on around me? And you're so perplexed. There's, there's two things. There's two wills there. Devil's will is to drive you to despair. God's will is to drive you to prayer, drive you to character, drive you to growth, drive you to faith, to trust him at all times. The Bible says, perplexed, but not driven to despair. And check this out. Persecuted. If you suffer for doing something evil, that's not called persecution. It's called foolishness. All right? We suffer sometimes, and it's because we've been stealing. It's because we've been lying. All right? But when you suffer for doing good, when you suffer for the sake of Christ, that's called persecution. And people who've been through persecution, man, it's tough. Persecution is not easy to go through. But once again, when you get persecuted, the devil wants you to think God has forsaken you. But God is trying to use that persecution, hallelujah, to show that he is with you. Have you ever thought of this, brothers and sisters? When you are persecuted, that is the closest place of intimacy that you will ever share with Christ. When you're persecuted is when you're closest to Christ. If you can keep your joy through the persecution, that is the closest intimacy. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because you're suffering. You're sharing. You're identifying with Christ's suffering. When you get persecuted for his name's sake, you're identifying. You can identify or you can just be like, God's not with me. God's forsaken me. What's going on? Or you can identify and say, this is exactly what Christ went through. And this is the promise that God has given me. There will be trouble. 
this is what I'm going to go through. And if I'm going to be blessed, I need to get through this. If I'm going to get that ring, I got to finish this game. I got to win this battle. Hallelujah. God brings us through persecution to bring us to intimacy with Christ. I'm telling you, there is no closer place of intimacy than to suffer, to share in his sufferings. And you know what? We always talk about God, to God be all the glory. Glory to God. We always got to give glory to God. Hey, hallelujah, brother. That was wonderful. You just led worship for us today. That was just beautiful. And you say, oh, no, glory to God. Oh, man, that was a wonderful sermon. Oh, no, glory to God. Hey, man, thanks, man. What you did back there, man, that was really helpful. Man, no, 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 that was me. That was, that was all God. That was all God. Glory to God. And there's a good aspect of that, but there's something really unbalanced about that as well. Because the Bible actually says we will share in God's glory. What? God will not share his glory with anyone. You're right. He's not going to share his glory with any other God. But the Bible says his people. If you suffer for him, you suffer. You get persecuted. In that same way, you will not only share in his sufferings, but you also share in his glory. That makes a lot of you uncomfortable. I'm looking at you right now. Yes, no way. All glory to God. You're going to have to show me in the Bible, Christian. That's another message. I will give it to you if I want to. <laughs> it, it is all over the Bible, but by the way. I can't get away from it. And neither will you if you read the Bible. We will share in his glory. There will be rewards for those who endure. There are MVPs. There are no favoritism, but there are MVPs. You know, when when Tom Brady gets a Super Bowl ring and an MVP reward award, people don't go, "Ew, man, NFL's playing favoritism with Tom Brady. No, they don't ever say that. It's crazy. Why? Because Tom Brady went through some stuff to get that MVP reward. Nobody thinks they were playing favorites with him and neither will they in heaven. The angels of God. You know, some people will be like, hey, how come Larry gets the bigger ring? Hey, how come Aaron gets the bigger house? Hey, what's going on? Angels will be like, man, look, here's a DVD. Watch Life of Aaron. Look, man, the bonus features are crazy, man. She went through some crazy stuff. I watch the DVD and then we'll talk. Shut you up. Because guess what? We will share in Christ's glory. But the Bible also describes those people that are going to get into heaven. But it's going to be through the skin of their teeth. It's going to be like one escaping the flames of fire. Like, you know, here's hell. And just like, there's like, you know, judgment day. Woo! Oh, 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 I made it. Hallelujah. It's kind of like the picture that Paul gives. There are those who are going to be like, yeah. Yes, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. And the more they suffer, the more they cry out, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. The more they live a holy life, the more they live a victorious life, and the more they suffer, the more they cry out, come, Lord Jesus. And when Jesus returns, they'll be like, oh, yeah. And then those who've been lazy, they're going to be like, oh, no. I'm serious. There are going to be two different reactions. 
There's the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And hallelujah. And when I read those parables, man, it's, it's a, it's a, and I'm going to have to ask God this when I get to heaven because you know, I'm, I'm a strong Calvinist, right? So I don't believe that once you get salvation, you can lose salvation. I don't believe that salvation is dependent upon your spiritual performance or your ability to endure. I believe the very ability to endure is dependent on his grace and his goodness. Right? So when you read some of these parables, it looks like, you know, like the foolish virgins get thrown into hell or like, like you know, the parables kind of show that it looks like it's like heaven or hell. Now, I, I don't know which one's what. I think there's still enough in the Bible to show that the Bible says it is by grace we are saved. And it's a story of grace. And God knows those who are his. He predestines us before the creation of the world. Right. I'm getting some angry th- looks right now. <laughs> but hallelujah. You know what? I'm, I, as long as I'm pastor of this church, I'm going to be preaching Calvinism. Guess what? I'm not backing down. You know what? From this doctrine, I have never departed from the day of my conviction in college. It was like a light was shown upon my conscience and my understanding. And I've never backed down from it. And there's nothing in the Bible that has ever made me think twice. But only affirms this doctrine. Anyway, hallelujah. And in this sense, I think there are going to be be those who get saved because God predestined them and God chose them. But then after they realized the grace of God and after they realized their salvation, they, got, they did nothing about it. And they're the, they're the ones when Jesus returns are going to be like, oh no. They're, they're going to be the ones with, with their feet up on the chair and just chilling. And guess what? The picture that Ezekiel, I read Ezekiel 34 this morning. Oh, hallelujah. That's a powerful chapter. And in that passage, in that passage, I think I'm going to preach on it. I'm getting the fire right now about it. Hallelujah. In that passage, it talks about the shepherds of Israel and how the shepherds, they're feeding themselves. They're shaving the wool off their sheep and wearing the clothes, but they're not taking care of the sheep. And God is so frustrated with this picture. He says, I myself will be their shepherd. Hallelujah. And the Lord is my shepherd. Right? Amen. And Jesus sent, God sent his son to really show us what a true shepherd looks like. But that doesn't mean that, oh no, he's our only shepherd, we're all sheep. No, there are leaders in the church. And we are to imitate the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. It actually says it. I wrote it down earlier. First Peter chapter 5 verse 2. Shepherd the flock, the Bible says. If you're a small group leader, God says, shepherd the flock. Hallelujah. And if all you do is feed yourself and all you do is kick back your feet and all you do is get fat and fat and fat, the picture when at Christ's return is you're going to be one lazy servant. You're saved, but you're fat. You're wearing nice wool sweaters. But guess what? You's in trouble because you need to give an account. And that day will not be a day that is joyful as it should be. It will be dreadful. Because you realize time's up. And you realize you would have wasted your life. And hallelujah. We have this uh, uh, book study that we purchased from John Piper's ministry called Don't Waste Your Life. Wonderful book. Don't waste your life. 
Hallelujah. But you know what? Why he even wrote a book like that? Because so many Christians are wasting it. You know, sometimes I think when Jesus says, take the narrow path, which leads to life, because broad is the path that leads to destruction and many find it. I don't know if that necessarily always is talking about hell. That can just be a spiritual truth right there. Narrow is the way. Narrow is filled with persecution, affliction, where you have to take a stand, not a compromise. Narrow is that path that leads to life, where your, where your life is filled with life, the life of God, and living water, rivers of living water are flowing out from you constantly. Narrow is that path that leads to that kind of life, but broad is the one that leads to destruction. Many find it. That could be a spiritual truth. Not just talking about heaven or hell. It could be a spiritual truth Jesus is trying to teach. Because check this out. Many Christians take the broad, broad path all the time. And what do they result in? They may not go to hell. But they get destruction. They reap destruction. They reap an early death. They reap destruction. Hallelujah. Now getting back. To our original passage. Look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 10. It says. Always carrying in the body death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus. May also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us. But life in you. Hallelujah. Why does God strike me down? Why does he. Why do I go through this stuff? Well he strikes you down. So that you will be humble. So that you will be dependent. So that you will be in prayer. Not to destroy you. But so that the death of Christ will be in you. So that the life of Christ may also be manifested. That's what this passage is saying. God brings us through situations in life to show us that we are jars of clay. That we are frail and fragile and breakable. God brings us through those things so that the death of Jesus may be at work in you. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested to others. Do do you see this, brothers and sisters? What God is saying in this passage is we are to imitate Christ. Just as Christ, when he went to the cross, death was at work in Christ. And it looked like all hope was gone. And it looked like nothing was going to come out of it. But as death was at, at work in him, life was at work. And it is through his death that we have life. And you know what? That pattern has not stopped. For all Christians today, we also are called to live the life of the cross. To deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow him. Why? Why do we take up that cross? Why do we got to carry this heavy old thing? Lord, why you got to make me carry this cross? This undue burden is so heavy, Lord. Why? Why? It's so hard, Lord, to go through this affliction, through this suffering, Lord. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because if death is at work in you, then life will be at work in others. A seed cannot produce any fruit unless it first dies. You are of no good to God unless you is gone. Unless we deal with you, you is no good. 
a wild stallion cannot be rode. You can't ride a wild stallion. I, I don't know anything about stallions, but I'm, that's what I'm thinking. You know? <laughs> well, the wild horses, right? Ain't nobody in their right mind would just be like, hey, there's a wild horse. Let's ride it. You better not. I think we'll back kick you, or let you on, and then and buck you off, and then you're like, you know, just go flying. You die. Hallelujah. Why? Why would you not get onto a wild stallion? Why? Because it's dangerous. Because that stallion is not going to go where you tell it to go. That stallion is going to resist everything you do. And that's the picture of a Christian who is not manifesting the death of Christ in their lives. They don't go where God tells them to go. They resist the Holy Spirit. They're just like this wild stallion. And you know what God does? He breaks the spirit of the wild stallion. When you break the spirit of a wild stallion, this is what I was told. I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up on the streets. <laughs> uh, yeah. Closest thing to wild stallion was like, like the tongchats, the used cars that I used to get. Actually, they're not really wild stallions. They're more like donkeys. <laughs> Anyway, I heard that if you break the spirit of a wild stallion, that's when you can tame the horse. That's when you can ride the horse. But that's the same picture with us. It's when death is at work in us, that life of Christ may be manifested through us. So why does God bring us through affliction? That's why. So that you can get out of the way. So that Christ live through you. I have been crucified with Christ so that I shall no longer live. But it's Christ who lives through me. That's what this passage is saying. Look to verse 16. This is what I'm going to close with. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. So we, this light momentary affliction. By the way, did you notice that? For this slight momentary, right? It's just a little while. Affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. You know, one thing that you cannot see in a person, you can't see their character. If you meet a person, you can't see their character. It's unseen. But as Christians, we don't fix our eyes on character. A lot of times we just fix our eyes on doing stuff, on success, on getting things accomplished. But, you know, how many of us, like, put New Year's resolutions where it's like to develop our character, to do things for the whole year, try to develop our character? A lot of us don't do that. Why? Because character's unseen. We don't fix our eyes normally on things that are unseen. We just want to fix our eyes on things that we can see. But here, the very pattern a Christian takes on is, verse 18, we look not onto the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. amen. We live by faith, not by sight. Amen. Look at 
So we don't lose heart. Even if you're coming through some stuff, even if you're afflicted, you're perplexed, you get persecuted, you get even struck down. Struck down. Even if. Don't lose heart. Check it out. Though your outer nature is wasting away. And then Paul, if anyone had a license to say this, Paul had a license to say this. He looked at his back in the mirror three times. Right? It was three times, John Michael? Hallelujah. All right. Dustin was three times, right? Three times he got 39 lashes. He just looks in the mirror. He's like, and and, uh, he he was probably, he probably dictated this letter. You know, he speaks and then there's somebody writing it down. He's like, looking in the mirror, he's like, though our, what did the verse say? (laughs) (laughs) Though our outer nature, outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Oh, that's good. Write that down right there. That's good. It's really good. What a revelation. Just by looking at these scars on my back. Tell them, Corinthians, this slight momentary affliction is preparing us. All this stuff we go through is preparing us for an eternal weight. One of glory. A transformation, one of glory. Hallelujah. So don't lose heart, people. Don't lose heart. But we don't live by that way anyway. For the things that are seen are temporary. Things that are unseen are eternal. So brothers and sisters, my message today is simply... Through all the things that you might come through in the near future. And if we are living in the end days, oh, believe me, we will come through some stuff. It will be a little while. It ain't going to be forever. It might be a little while. You, you read um, Heavenly Man. I read Heavenly Man. I'm like, wow, that is one difficult little while he went through. You know, it's like beaten. He's got stuff. He got all these like injuries and they just put him in the prison. And he went on like, how long was this fast? 73 days? 83 days? I don't know, some crazy number, right? I'm personally, I don't think he counted right. <laughs> I don't know, the Lord knows. But man, how can you not eat or drink anything for 80 something days and still live? Huh? Holy Spirit, all right. Yeah. But come on, Jesus didn't do that long. But are you trying to get one up on Jesus? No, no, hallelujah. I don't, I don't know. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was hard to believe, all right? But he went through some stuff, all right? But it was a little while, but he went through it. Hallelujah. And God preparing him for eternal way of glory. And there's all this, like, amazing uh, house churches movement that's just gone crazy, you know? From all the things, like people like him going through stuff like that. House church movement exploded in the 90s, especially in the mid and late 90s. China's is going, is on, is, man, China is going to be crazy. It's going to blow up. But anyway, God's 
not looking for jars of steel. He's not looking for people that got everything put together. God is still looking for jars of clay. People like you. People who mess up. People who forget. People who can't wake up in the mornings or in the afternoon. <laughs> you're leakable. You're, you're breakable. You're fragile. You're frail. You know? Somebody says something, you cry. And just like, you just, you know, you're a jar of clay. But you know what? Don't despair. You're the kind of person that God wants to use. Because he pours out his power onto jars of clay. Because he knows. Well, well, hallelujah. We're all jars of clay, but hallelujah. That's how he does things. That's how he does things. So, brothers and sisters, whatever we come through, let us not be driven to despair. But let us take the joy of the Lord upon our hearts. For even when Christ went to the cross, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 too, that he went because of the joy that was set before him. We ought to have joy seeing the bigger picture that our light and momentary affliction is accomplishing for us an eternal weight of glory. Let us pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for this message, Lord. I, there's so many things that, Lord, that were said. There's different spiritual truths that I try to touch, but Lord... I pray that you will quicken in the minds and hearts of your people the exact words that they need to hear at this hour of their life. Strengthen those, O oh God, who have been beat down, who have been crushed. Heal the broken heart. Bind up the injured. Strengthen and give joy to those who are going through some tough stuff, some affliction, through suffering, through persecution. Give joy to such people, Lord. And give them also a bigger perspective. That they may see. That all this stuff they're going through. It's not random chance. It's God's design. He does it to remind us. To remind us that we are jars of clay. God. Remind us today. That although we are but jars of clay. In your hands, you're doing amazing things through us, in us. So we rejoice, Lord. We do not lose heart, Lord. Just thank you, God. Lord, things are going good here at JSCM, Lord. Things are going good, and there's a lot of people excited about the work of God that's about to come. You've been doing some amazing things through us. You've been giving us some amusing and amazing promises to this church. And God, we want to hold to those promises. We want to see our church go up to 300 leaders. To see our church get past 500 and do church planning in other places. We want to go into the promised land. We hold to those promises, oh God. But we also know that we cannot ignore the promises of affliction that you have also recorded in your word. So Father God, Give us eyes of faith that we may walk not by sight, but by faith. For the righteous will live by faith. And it is the righteous that are as bold as a lion. Amen.